But anyway, what we're going to do, I'll just start this next part of the, the session. Uh, Hilary? Yes. Can you come here, please? I think we just, yeah, just that one. Just double tap on that one. Yeah. Um, I need you for support. Yep. Yeah, get rid of things. Not very good at this stuff. Yeah. And then you can use that one. This is my tunnel. I'm from Anduria, and in English, it means shadow of an eagle. And do this on the east and through the gap, and you go east. And that's why I put the E on. This is who I am. In my culture, my name is Purulula in Aranta. In my mum's language, it's Nabarula. My mum was a Majid about two hours up the road. That's who I am. Now, here. <laughs> put it on the next thing. Okay, I'll just see that. <laughs> Uh, keep going, let's the next one. There. This is our map. Even today, we look at each other like this. We don't care about the states. We care about who we are in Australia. And this one from the west, when they see us and see this area here, we're desert people. All this. We're all desert people. And my name in this area is Nabarula to people. That's what they ask me. What's your skin name in our culture? And I've got to tell them. And we relate to one another like that. And it goes back a long way, how we still do the things we did a long time ago. Yeah. Next one. <laughs> We were told in the 50s or earlier was that we'd only been here 200 years. Now we are told we're the oldest race in the world. In Australia, yes? Just recently we've been told yeah. that, hey mate? Yeah. yeah, no worries. And we can see why. In my culture, this hill, these hills here, when you come through the gap, they're caterpillars. That's what we were taught. The main one is the Yiprinya, and then you've got Najalka on one side. They travel from east and west to here, to a special place. In English, it's Emily Gap. And there's three main gaps there. That is part of who we are, Andulia people, Aranda people. And sometimes it connects all of us up to that story. Captain Cook, well, he got voted out. Doesn't matter about him anymore. Because the Marbo case booted him out. That's interesting, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. And the faces of the, some people went, well... Originally, this town area was the town of Stewart. And the Alice Springs was the telegraph station where they put the telegraph line through. And they named that. But a lot of people were calling this Alice Springs, so they had to change it. 
back then. So it was changed. In the 1870s, a new station was set up right out there where my family come from. It was set up there and they were the slave labour of this station. They were the slave labour right through to the 60s, since 1967, and then they were paid proper wages. They didn't pay them pay like this money. They just gave them food. And in the 50s, my dad used to take me out there to see my grandmother, her and her sister, my two nanas. And they used to cook and bottle wash for their children, station owners, Hayes family. They did it for many years. And they lived in tin sheds, which was hot during the summer, sometimes 40 degrees, from one extreme to the other. And then we go on to the early 90s and the stolen generation started. My dad and mum was the first generation here in Central Australia. My mum came from up the road, tea trees, two hours, to a place near, near Alaron. The policeman came there after my grandfather went mustering because my grandmother's grandfather was a cattle station owner. Alaron cattle station was originally called Glen Maggie and the Nicker family owned it. My grandfather was Eugene Nicker. And what happened was this policeman came and tied my grandmother and my mum to a tree. But my auntie caught him, seen him, what he was doing, and raced out to where my grandfather was and told him what was happening. But the time he came in back into the homestead, that policeman brought my mum and my grandmother into town and took them to the bungalow. That was the telegraph station in that time. So they were both in there. And then as it turned out, there's about 10 people altogether in my family that was affected. My, one of my aunties ended up in New South Wales and another two aunties in Melva Island were put there by the Catholic Church. And me and my sister were put in St Mary's. My mother had put us in there, was forced to put us in there. And then my dad went through a court procedure to get us back. And he was successful. But he wasn't allowed to teach us language or anything like that. And they monitored us. Because my dad had a lot of people in town here because he was, he was in the Second World War. A lot of these old men here, they went to Papua New Guinea and he was one of them. And some of them old white men, they regarded him as very friendly old man to them and they supported him through that court procedure. Otherwise he wouldn't have been able to get us back because they didn't like Aboriginal people growing up their own kids half the time. They wanted to brainwash them in these missions and everything. 
Um, Hillary, Aboriginal protection, can you talk there? <laughs> policy? Oh, no, I can't. Uh, I don't can't know. You don't Someone know that else. policy? I don't. Do you? Yeah, no. I do. <laughs> oh, you're <laughs> <hustling. laughs> You didn't brief me. Yeah. Oh, sorry, dear. I should have. Well, that Aboriginal protection policy was these offices set up around the communities, around the towns, and what it did, they dictated to the Aboriginal communities what they can do and what they can't do. One of the things in this town was they set up these depots through the gap where an old police station was. So they didn't want Aboriginal people to come in this town. And they set one at the bungalow. But my family, Anduli Mob, was through the gap and they was on that side. And I couldn't get rid of them because they belong here. They weren't going nowhere. And Jay Creek is out the west and they blocked the other communities. But they were set up all these things and they had to have permission to go anywhere. Anywhere. And one of them, they didn't want them to live in Alice Springs. For many years it happened. And it really... And they took kids away. They did all these things. And they told Aboriginal people what to do and what not to do. And they were terrible. Very racist people who'd done it. Um, the next one, that's the bungalow that I just talked about. And then you got World War II, like I just said, about all the Aboriginal <coughs> And just recently I went to Canberra and seen that they finally recognised our people there with a museum. And this old man was on the same flight I was and going there and they was doing some paintings there. And I didn't have the opportunity to go there because I was there for a um, part of the stolen generation. And um, we had a dinner in Canberra with the government at that time. But at least they've recognised us, the old men that fought for this country at last. And then we have our Charlie. He was born at the Bangla, at the telegraph station, because his mum was a carer of my parents, that first generation that was taken away. And Charlie grew up there, but for a while, till he was a teenager. Then the Church of England got hold of him and sent him to Adelaide, where he was put in a, a home called St. Francis, it was just for boys. There was quite a few of them from this area that was put in that home. And a lot of them, Charlie was one of the first that went to university. That's why he ended up in New South Wales and protesting. Into a swimming pool where no Aboriginal kids could go. But in Alice, at the same time, we were allowed to go for a swim here. The old man that built that, he didn't care. As long as the kids were there, black and white, he didn't make any difference here. But in New South Wales, they were very racist. They blocked a lot of people from doing so many things. 
Um, but Charlie came home afterward in the 90s and he got all the old people, my parents, my dad, and a lot of the old people in town, our Arunta people together, and we set up um, Arunta Council, and that council was just for us. The people came from here, and he got them old people to work and to think in, in political-minded, as a lot of them just worked their guts out and they never think, thought about that. And they did after a runner council was set up. And then we went to a process about um, the government after the Marbo case, about native title, and Charlie sat down and talked to all of us that we should go through the native title claim. And he was the one that did the forward thinking for us because he went to university and he could see what was happening, that we could do this. And we did, we were very successful. After that documentary about them old people, that we had evidence that was written about us, and the fact that there was genealogy trees written about Andulia family, Mbaranda family, and Eltma family, the three groups that came together to fight for native title here in Alice Springs. And we were successful in four years because we knew their stories still. We knew a lot of the history, and I myself spoke for my family as well. Keep going. <laughs> <laughs> and then you had the referendum after that about the citizenship. But a lot of Aboriginal people wouldn't put down that they were Aboriginal because of the racist attitudes of Australians here. So when they said that we can get those forms and say we're part of this country, a lot of them didn't put their right names or their right, if they were Aboriginals or not. So a lot of names weren't even put on there. See, they got the census of 1976, but there was a lot more Aboriginal people than that. And then you got the, just before that, you got the 1974, Justice Woodward handrail of the missions. They handed, they built up like Papanya, Yundamu, and Hermansburg, and then in 70, 74, they gave all these back to the community to run it. Well, this 10-year intervention destroyed that. They destroyed it. <coughs> they took over the community. Those people on those communities have no rights in their own community anymore. Because their funding, all of that has gone. They lost that. So what we're fighting for them now is really important to most of the communities here around here for us. All right? That's where it came from. They had the rights to it. Because in the 70s we also had um, land rights. Central Land Council, Northern Land Council was set up. That people can go through a court procedure. Now, when you look at the Pinibi mob, they wanted to claim Uluru through the Land Rights Act, and South Australia mob had to come to terms with that. 
as well, because some of that their land is in South Australia as well as the Northern Territory, and they wanted to claim Uluru back, and they did. It took them about 10 years, I think, until they got it back. And that's a lot, uh, lot slower than the rest of the communities. A lot of these lands here, people fought for. They didn't get it handed back like that. They went through a process, through a court procedure before they got it back. Yeah, can you remember this? Aboriginal deaths in custody? Yeah, it was a big report, wasn't it? Yeah. Mm. Do you want to talk about that for me? Give me a break. <laughs> no, I can, but no, it's your talk. <laughs> Go on, you talk about that now. I'll just have a drink. Yeah, you can talk too, yeah. mate. Ben Taylor, where were I? I flew in this afternoon. I'm in the desk in custody of Perth. Yeah. And uh, I just said, Bianca, uh, this letter about a young girl who died in custody, Mr. Dew, you might have heard about it. Yeah. 22 years of age. The police let her die, you know, they torture her. And uh, a lot of people wrote letters to the good white people, you know? I'll get B to read it out to you. Yeah, this is about this girl who died, how she was treated. Letter went to the editor. You stand up and read that? Um, says, Dear Editor, it was with horror and disgust and complete shame that I viewed the footage of Miss Jude's treatment by police officers in the court headland lockup in 2014 as she died. In particular, the female police officers' treatment of her worse than a war-torn soldier could have displayed towards an enemy after a battle was fought. She picked up like a she she picked up like a rag doll and then dropped her down before dad dragging her with her male officer along the corridor and out to the police wagon. It was unjustifiable cruelty and lacking in civility that should be expected by a sworn police officer serving in the state of WA. The fact that these officers were only sanctioned by Mr. O'Callaghan is according is accordance with their codes of conduct is not good enough. Such people need to be stood down and never to have the privilege of working in our community again as police officers. Miss Jew's family and friends are in complete distress and rage at the fact that no one has been held accountable for this tra tragic and inhumane death. Um, continue. Yeah. Want to talk about it. It's, it's, uh, we've had big rallies over there. Protests. Right through. Good weather of people. Very everybody put on my feet. Wait a minute. Support with us, stood with us. And uh, even all the way to Camp Mary with Bianca was on the tent embassy. And we're still fighting. We're still losing young men and women in the lockups and in badly imprisoned women's group. And, it's, and we're living in a racist state in Western Australia. Terrible, they don't want to hear about this. You know, as Pat said, I know all about that. I'm 77, I was taken away in the 1940s. When I was born in 1938, we were locked up on cattle trucks and taken to missions and reserves out of town at six o'clock. As you said there, you know, out of town, to out of sight, out of mind. Whether you're half-caste, quarter-caste, or a full blood, you were branded a nigger by the government in Western Australia. 
Mr. Blackwell, Mr. A. O. Neville, that we heard of him. Yes, you know, I heard of him. He was a devil. Yeah. My father, even though he was out of he had to get permission in 1920 to marry my mother. And out of eight children, there's only two of us left. We're in our 70s and 80s. There's a lot of our people back home are dying in their 30s, 20s, 50s, oldest. Yeah. You know, as you know, yeah. all around us. Desperate people. Yeah. And I'll be over here for a while, a few days, weeks. I'm looking forward to talking more. Yeah. And you know, the 19th, I remember that 67 referendum. Yep. We were, we were classed as 400 kangaroo. When recognised as human beings. I remember we were standing in the street of Mora. And no one said, hey, did you want a Mora? I wanted. Did you cap money? In our language, oh, we're all allowed to go in and drink. That was the biggest mistake we ever got was that drinking rights. I gave up drinking 40 years ago, and I nearly killed me. I see my people. It wasn't in our genes, you know? You know, I don't kick any of no or who can drink and handle it. That's all right, but if you can't, give it away. It's killing our people. So, you know, it's, uh, I still keep fighting until I'm 80 or 90. And travel around, you know, keep protesting. Yeah. We, we got it. We want a treaty. That's right. To have a say in our land. You know, because uh, yeah. we're a dying race. When I look at a young fellow, I see hopelessness, racism, stress, deep depression. It's shocking. We need, uh, instead of building more jails, build a community where we can do something. Elders like us. And give them our group therapy like that. You can mm-hmm. talk and tell them. Yep. You know what the alcohol and drugs are doing to our people? Our brain, the liver, it's just wiping us out. You know, I was born on the reserve. Mum wasn't allowed to go into hospital. Oh no, no, very little people allowed. It was a racist. My brother in law come back from the war. He was out of town at six o'clock. He died on the reserve. He fought Japanese and all. That's our racist. We've got to stand together. I'm telling my people all the time, we've got to be united. You know, we don't want Gertie or Wendell telling us what to do. We want to take control. We know what's best for our people. I'm sure you all do. Yeah. Thank you. So you'll see me around here for a few weeks. Yeah, that's good, mate. Thank you. Thank you. That was good. Um, a lot of that stuff that he talked about is happened here. And I can remember my brother just walking down the street and getting picked up and thrown in jail by a racist policeman. And he bashed him. But when my brother was, he got somebody to take a photo when he was released of his face and what happened. And it was in the advocate. And then the police had to do something, get rid of him. They didn't want him to be in there. But this happened all the time. And a policeman tried to pick up my son. Same thing. My son was just walking down the street. He was a teenager. And then somebody came along and said, no, he's not doing anything. Just let him go. Yeah. And anyway, that bloke let him, he had no choice. Had to let him go. 
But our people are still, our kids are still getting picked up, sometimes for nothing, just because they're walking around here. I do know some of them are doing things. They are that angry inside because they can't see their way forward because everything is negative around us for them. And it's not right. Same back home, they're picked on all the time. Yep. A good walking group together. Yep. Same thing. Yeah. So we all know. And we're still, our kids are still dying in jails now. Still, yeah. jails are all falling. Next one. Yeah. One of the, in the 1980s, 88, a lot of us from all over Australia went to to Sydney and I went from Darwin because I was working for Northern Land Council and I went, came home here and then I went across with my family because what they did is what Sydney, the city of Sydney, they asked Aboriginal people to come there. It wasn't a celebration, it was a funeral of 200 years and many of our people from all over Australia went there, thousands of us. And they did crawberries. And we was there for over a week. And in the harbour was Prince Charles. And the non-Aboriginal people were celebrating in the harbour. And we had flags flying in the city, Aboriginal flags everywhere. And a lot of people came and seen us. And we did the biggest ceremony at one of the parks. And thousands of our people came there and danced all night. I was overwhelmed. And it was just unreal how we all come together when we need to. That's one of the best Things. But later on that year, went to Baranga, went back and a lot of the people came there too. And it's, a lot of the old people got together and they had a statement about a treaty. And that was the Baranga statement. And people back then was asking for a treaty. And they gave it to Bob Hawke. And he said, yes, I'll try and do something. He went back and nothing was ever mentioned again in Canberra. He just dismissed it. He didn't want that. So nothing happened till the Marbo case. This 1999, what's happened? is that we had a protest just north up here. My aunties asked me to be involved. So I went there, <clears throat> took them up there because the NT government wanted to build a dam up there. And where it is, is on a sacred site. Very important to our people. It's a story connected with this river, about two women going up the river and this man from behind. I didn't realise that it had, didn't, I didn't realise that it 
connection to me till my auntie's got me aside. Pat, this is your story. And I said, oh, is it? I said, that's why I'm standing, I suppose. Them old people got me to come. But we blocked it. 25 years. Stopped them. We argued with them. And we sat out there so nobody could do anything. We tell them, if you want to go and live near water, go and live near it. We don't have water all the time here. This is us. We're desert people. We're not going to make dams because you want it. Put your boat on it. And that's the way we, we told them off about that. And then the Mabo decision. Do you know about that? Yeah. How, um, does anybody else want to talk? About that? <laughs> Hillary? <laughs> oh, well, I could talk for about ten hours about it. <laughs> I'll leave it up to you. Well, we might approve Terra Nullius. Yeah. You know, we used it for years. We got blown out, eh? We used it for years. We were like, well, they religion. My dream time when my grandmother used to take me was a water, a snake. Yeah. Made by a serpent. She said, call it a coral barrier. Different, different language you folks got to eat. Yeah. She said, did you wear it anyway? The spirits are all around us. Yeah. I talked to that snake. And I grew up in that eye. Then I left. Didn't I tell my kid that? What would respect that? Yeah. They overturned it, that law the Captain Cook stuff. But most of us know our people have been here for thousands of years. Yeah. And that's what the big issue was. And then we went through native title. And one of the things, the next thing I wanted to talk about is this, about the bringing them home report. At the time, it was a very good thing what happened. Um, at least somebody said sorry to us. And why? And when you look up, most of us are affected, have been taken off our parents. All over Australia. I still bear the scars. Yeah. And torn from my mother's arms. Yep. In the 1940s. Never to see her for five years. Religion flogged into me. Dormitories, toilet bucket in the middle, bars like a jail all around. When I grew up, I went into jail because that's what we knew. Soon as the monarchs, police were called monarchs, said something with bad would would tell him, you're going to get so and so. Next thing we locked up. Yeah. So, you know. The 1905 Act, I bear scars, but my mother bears scars, my father, yep. my grandparents. Goes all the way back. White Australia got a black history. Yep. Punishment. That's true. We're still here to today. We're still here fighting, though. Yeah. Next one. So it was 1999 that we were recognised as traditional owners of Alice Springs. 
and that was a big thing. And then a lot of Aboriginal people went to the Sydney Olympics and was their opening, opening ceremony from all over Australia. A lot of my mob from here went to A. They all went. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I was pregnant. Yeah. 2002, we were that's our organisation. We have three organisations that comes together to meet for for the town issues of government. And 2000 federal government's intervention, there we go, into communities and living areas in the Northern Territory. So we all know what happened and it's still happening. And that's the issue today for all of us, is to stop them from doing that. Open the communities back up. Because otherwise we just keep on going backwards. Every time we fight for something, get it, and then we get thrown to the curb again by the government. And that's what's happening now. And we just keep on going like we're going. I think it's a good thing. Have this conference so most of the community people can understand what's happening for them to understand. And then we got the sorry thing. And Kevin Dredd said sorry for us, to us. I didn't go to camera, I was at home. That's what been taken away. How did you feel about that? Yeah, well, the story hasn't gone far enough. No, it hasn't. No, back up we don't. They did a report about it. Yeah. And they haven't even gone through a lot of the report, mm. eh? Even that brick walk across that bridge in Sydney, I was there. Yeah. Uh, John yeah. Sorry. Mr. was good. You know? Yeah. He really battled for He's the only one. He's the one there. Only yeah. one that really tried. Yeah. Vincent Yep. That old man. You heard about Vincent Lagari? He was an old man from Wave Hill that walked off that property. And what's that? Oh, this, com this company had millions of dollars and they used them as slave labour yeah. and they all walked off and that was their country. They walked off and wouldn't work for them. They sat in another place and they ended up getting that land back, that whole area. They went through land rights and they got it back. Gough Whitlam put it, dirt in that old man's hand, and he gave him back his land. Yeah, we had a, we had a remembrance of that first union office there. Yeah. We had a big wall full of all his photos, Gough Whitlam pouring the sand. Yeah, that was deadly, eh? Yeah. What he did. People come and see it like a museum, did Yeah. Now, the next thing we are talking about recognition. This recognition doesn't go far enough. Our mob here, I was saying they're looking at a treaty. They voted in people from all over from the Northern Territory to come together and they had that big meeting at Uluru recently. And I didn't have a chance to really read it, 
but some of the recommendations that uh, Barunga statements is similar to what they are asking. And we don't believe the recognition is good enough. All our people are asking for a treaty, have a decent, not change it like the native title they've been doing. Every time they want to change it and change the racism law, and which affects us, and that's happened recently. To get, a, get recognition, they've got to sit down with us. Sit down and, and talk to us properly. Not just, not just finish writing a book. Just right. Yeah. I should have watched the books in, but I'll bring them in next time. Yeah. What happened at Rotten's Island was a. And, uh, well, it was a prison camp robbery. Four months out of Fremantle. They were chained up there, they were beaten, there's a lot of them been fighting for the graves. And they get the cemetery put back together. So I wrote a book, I'll come bring the books around next time. Yeah. And, uh, but until they read that book, and the, until they sit down with us, we gonna we gotta have a yeah that's right we gotta have a talk on the weekend about treaty as well yeah. and I'm gonna be there yeah, and you there. should come too mate yeah and we're gonna go through and my friend there Mari lady from New Zealand she's been through that process of treaty there yeah. and she's um, gonna talk with us and yet one young fella from Top End. Arnhem Land, he's coming down too. Yeah, the three of us are going to sit down and discussions with everybody so they can understand what a treaty means and how strong it could be for us yeah. of what we want, not government dictating what we should have. Well, like you back home, we got the women very strong, my cousins. Yeah. And they're very strong, you understand? Yeah. For rights of our people. We're going to fight for our future, ask Bob. <laughs> All right, then. That's my time for tonight. Thank you all for coming.